Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Madrid. There we go. Thank you for coming. Is everyone, everyone can hear me? Okay. Let's see if I can move this over here. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, thank you for coming. As Noel mentioned, I am the author of, uh, about four years ago I came out with my first book, which is called Supergirls, which is a history of um, comic book heroines. And I got a lot of really good response from it. Um, Entertainment Weekly said that it was cool but not creepy, which um, when you are a middle-aged guy writing about comic book heroines, you can't really do much better than that. Um, uh, and I got a lot of, I heard from a lot of people, especially a lot of uh, younger women who emailed me, said they were using the book for research for college uh, theses they were working on, things like that. And a lot of them were not aware that comics had gone as f back as far as uh, the 1940s and 1950s. So I thought that there were a lot more stories uh, that could be told about some of these very early heroines, especially some of the ones that have been forgotten over time. Uh, which is why I wrote this new book, Divas, Dames, and Daredevils, which focuses on, uh, as I said, a lot of Oh, the early heroines that are forgotten, now forgotten, but I, that I feel are actually quite unforgettable. Uh, and because comics are all about stories, this book actually features a collection, it is a collection of stories along with my writing, um, stories of these characters. Comic books as we've known them for the last 50 years or so have pretty much been like this. They've been, uh, each title has focused on a character or a collect or a team of characters. Uh, you buy a comic and it is, you read the adventures of that character. But when the industry first started in the late 1930s and early 40s, it was quite different. In those days, most of the comics were what they called anthologies. So they were comics like Hit or Master or Crash Comics. These would be oftentimes about 52 pages, sometimes as many as 80 pages, and they were. Um, they were collections of maybe seven or eight different characters in each different issue. So rather than just getting one character in a comic, you got a whole collection of different characters every month. So for example, for example, if you read something like Smash Comics, uh, you could read about Midnight the Detective, uh, Espionage, The Marksman, The Ray, but you could also read about let me see. Wildfire, the Princess of Flames. 
if you read something like Power Comics, you could read about Mef Dr. Mephisto, Merlin and the Boy Magician, the Black Raider, but also Miss Espionage, the international detective. That's because most of these anthology comics had at least one female character in that mix of seven or eight characters per issue. Uh, these were usually done to, uh, to appeal to either female readers or guys like me who like female characters, but each one of these comics usually had at least one woman in that mix. Now, there are only a couple of heroines that got to be the stars of some of these anthology comics. They were actually the lead feature in the comic, uh, most notably Wonder Woman and Mary Marvel in WoW Comics. But there were a number of there were a number of these other heroines that were in those comics that uh, have been kind of forgotten over the last 70 years. Keep in mind that in the early days of comics, in that time between 1938 and the mid-50s, there were as many as 40 different publishers uh, working in the industry, producing comics, and each of those comics had multiple characters per issue. Uh, so you have really just a multitude of these forgotten heroines. Now, Superman was the first superhero. He first appeared in 1938. And most people assume, because she's the most famous, that Wonder Woman was the first. She actually was not. She first appeared in, in 1941. The first heroine in comics was Sheena, the Queen of the Jungle. She uh, appeared also in 1938, the same year as Superman. Um, but uh, Superman, as we know, has fantastic powers. Sheena was more like a female Tarzan. She didn't actually have any superpowers. The first woman with superpowers was a character named Fantoma. She appeared in 1940. She's Fantoma. She was the mystery woman of the jungle. She was uh, described as the most remarkable woman ever born. She uh, lived in the jungle in her secret observatory, and she kept watch over the jungle, and she protected the jungle kind, which were the animals and the peaceful natives of the jungle. Now, whenever she would see some, something, some evil force threatening the jungle kind and the peace of the jungle, she would transform from this beautiful young woman to this really sort of terrifying skull-faced kind of demon. Um, and she would really, uh, she would really deal with things. So she's saying, now you'll pay a dreadful penalty. She really didn't mess around. Um, now with Superman, if Superman, if you, if Superman got mad at you, he might, in those early days, he might sort of dangle you by the ankle over Metropolis. With Fantoma, it was a little more, she was a little more lethal. She was, it was literally like the wrath of God. Um, and she could do anything. She really, she was like God. She could do anything. She could fly through space. She could reshape reality. She could, she sent people to the moon if she didn't like what they were doing. She, yeah, she was really a fantastic character. So this is where, she was the first character with, with powers. This is where we started in comics with women and power. We, uh, for most of us who grew up in the last 
you know, 30, 40 re years reading comics, uh, we're used to this idea that the females are always portrayed as the lesser, uh, as the weaker characters, weaker than the men. But this is where we started in comics with female power. Uh, it was really almost limitless power. Uh, there were a lot of interesting characters in those very early days, right around 1940. Uh, let's get this to move. Here we go. Uh, one of them that I found really fascinating is a character called the Magician from Mars. She um, was the daughter of an, an, uh, a Martian father and an Earth mother. And uh, she came to Earth to protect the Earth. And she also had these incredible powers. She could destroy time and space while still keeping herself young and beautiful forever. <laughs> which really is like, you know, sort of a really great combination. doesn't really get much better than that. Um, and we had these other characters that were interesting, like Gail Allen, who was, uh, she led an all-female girl squadron to protect the planet Venus. Probably the first team of um, all-female all team in comics. Again, this was uh, around 1940. Now, I mentioned before Wonder Woman, uh, and as you know, Wonder Woman is the most famous uh, heroine in comics, and like I said, she appeared in, first appeared in 1941, and as most, of, most people know, she was the Amazon princess. She lived on the Amazon Paradise Island, and then a man from the civilized world, from man's world, uh, landed on Paradise Island, they fell in love, and then she followed him back to man's world. Um, it's interesting that a year before Wonder Woman, there was a character that was quite similar. Her name was Amazona, the Mighty Woman. She first appeared in 1940. Much the same as Wonder Woman, she lived, she came from a lost race. She lived up in the far frozen north. Uh, a man from the modern world comes, they fall in love, and she follows him to New York. Now, Wonder Woman came to, the, came to the man's world to preach peace and love and to get people to get along. And uh, she was always talking about co peaceful coexistence. Amazona kind of dealt with things in a slightly different way. Here we s Here we go. Here we see her. <laughs> She's saying to this guy, nobody asked for your opinion. I'll show you how sweet a babe I am. <laughs> Uh, she was a little more direct in her action with, um, with uh, troublemakers than Wonder Woman oftentimes was. It was a man. Now there were a lot of characters that were um, that didn't have powers, but they you know, they dressed up in costume and went out to fight crime. The very first one of those was the woman in red. She first appeared in 1940. Uh, she was a police detective, and when the police commissioner would have a particularly baffling case, he would hand it over to um, Detective Peggy Allen to handle in her own special way. And her own special way usually uh, involved dressing up as the woman in red and. Um, pulling her pistols and uh, taking care of business. Now it's interesting, we, one of the other uh, sort of images of the if female superhero that we have is of someone that wears a very skimpy, revealing outfit. And the woman in red wears this very almost severe kind of a monk's robe. It's very, very interesting. Um, you'll notice that she is wearing high heels though. But you know, that, that can... Um, <laughs> that can be used as a weapon because um, oftentimes it takes a heel to quiet a heel. 
There were a lot of other characters that were like the women in, woman in red who were, uh, who were women who dressed up to fight crime. One of them was the Veiled Avenger. She was the district attorney's secretary by day and by night. She was the exotic Avenger of evil, known as the, uh, the Veiled Avenger. Uh, they never really explained how she learned to master the bullwhip, but um, she really used it with lethal force. Uh, it's very interesting. These, a lot of these women were really, really tough. A lot, lot, lot tough. When you read these stories, they're a lot tougher than what we've seen in comics for the last several decades. Um, it's interesting also that we had a lot of characters that are similar to some male characters that we've seen in years past. Um, one of them was Margaret the Panther Woman. She was uh, a young girl who was lost in the jungle and was inoculated with panther blood that gave her um, these razor-sharp claws and um, the strength and speed of the great jungle cat. Uh, it also gave her what they called primitive emotions that uh, someone sometimes would take over, f take her over, and she would kind of react like an animal, much like Wolverine, who we've seen in the last couple, several years. Um, but this was, you know, 30, 40 years before Wolverine. Another interesting early character was the Spider Queen. She was a woman who um, developed these bracelets that fired a, a spider web that she would she could swing from, uh, that she could use to fight uh, to capture criminals, much like Spider Man would about 20 years after her. Now, Spider Queen is kind of typical of what we think of the superheroine. Which, like I said, she was said before, she wears kind of a revealing, skimpy costume. But there were, were some of the early heroines that were quite different. One of my favorite is the Spider Widow. Spider Widow was a beautiful young debutante who would dress up like an old woman, like an old witch. Uh, and she would literally, she was called the Grandmother of Terror. Uh, she would literally um, scare her enemies into submission. She carried trained Black Widow spiders that she would release, and she would just frighten people almost to death, and then she would capture them. It's fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating that we, that you have someone who actually makes herself less attractive to fight evil. Um, another interesting earlier character was Mother Hubbard. Mother Hubbard was, um, was actually an old witch. She was an old witch who decided to change her ways and um, use her powers of black magic to help good and to, to, um, to help people and to fight evil. And in the first story that I have in this book, she uh, fights the Nazis using her black magic powers. Does she become the Mother Hubbard that we know eventually? Uh, no, there's no, uh, there's no mention of, there's, the, there's no bone or there's no dog in the story, but she, I don't think she, I don't know if she is the same Mother Hubbard, but she's, I, I don't think, I don't remember the old Mother Hubbard having any magical powers. Now, uh, World War I, uh, the U.S. entered World War I in 1941, but comics actually started fighting the war much earlier. As early as 1940, you have characters like Jane Martin, who was a nurse, and Pat Parker, who uh, was also a nurse, but also, but also wore a costume and fought as a superhero called 
or nurse, which is very strange. Um, but you, as early as 1940, you had these women fighting uh, against the Axis power before, uh, at least a year or more before the U.S. actually entered the war. Uh, when the U.S. did enter the war, you have a lot of characters, like patriotic characters like Pat Patriot, who was called America's Joan of Arc, uh, or Black Venus, who was a fighter pilot. But you have these other, some of these other uh, really lethal characters, like Lady Satan. Lady Satan. She just killed that guy, right? Yeah, she, yeah and she, had, she carried this gun that shot chlorine gas that she would choke her victims with. She, um, was, a, she was this woman who had lost everything to the Nazis, and she swore to um, uh, fight them with everything that she had and, would, and was a Nazi hunter and tracked them down. Uh, and she was typical of the, a lot of the really lethal women that we had fighting during the war. Another one was a character called Madame Strange. Madame Strange was, lived up to her name, was very strange. They know she had these, she was really strong, she, uh, uh, had, she had uh, super speed. They never really explained how she got her powers, but you really didn't need to know. You just got swept up in these fascinating stories. She was really tough. She, was a, she traveled to exotic exotic parts of the world fighting the Nazis. Uh, and like I said, she was tough. Here we see her uh, trying to get some information out of a guy, and she's saying, uh, talk fast or I'll snap your arm. Like I said, these women were had a war to win, and they didn't uh, have time to mess around. And there were all a, a number of different types of women uh, that were fighting in the war. Even... Diana the Huntress. Uh, Diana the Huntress, the, the Roman god of the hunt, um, got involved in World War II. Zeus told her that um, Greece needed to be liberated from the Nazis, so she led the rest of the Olympian gods down to um, fight the Nazis. And it was really, there, it makes for some really terrifying scenes of um, the gods blowing up battleships and things like that. Now, we've been talking about some really sort of fantastic women uh, with fantastic powers and costumes, but what was unique in the early 40s was that there were a number of regular career women that were featured in comics. They were photographers, reporters, police women. Um, there was even a tugboat captain. These were regular American women who um, had careers, had adventures, and um, were quite popular. One of the most unique ones was Betty Bates, who was a lawyer, uh, and later the district attorney. She was a lawyer who knew jujitsu, and um, she spent an uh, equal amount of time in the courtroom and out investigating uh, crimes and taking, oftentimes taking law into her own hands. And here you see her, she's saying, I'll teach you to lie to a reputable attorney. Um, one of the other unique characters was a character named Jill Trent, science sleuth. She was a, a scientist and an inventor, and she 
spend her time in the laboratory inventing these um, fantastic devices. Like here she's got a, uh, a camera that fires a magnetic ray or um, x-ray glasses or indestructible cloth. And she would always wind up getting involved in crimes and um, having to use her inventions. Or like MacGyver, just sort of finding whatever, whatever she had at her disposal and whipping up some sort of device that would save her and solve the crime. Now it's interesting that in a lot of these old comics there was a uh, there was a lot of uh, focus on romance. Um, Jill Trent never had a boyfriend. Uh, no one ever seemed to be interested in her. Uh, here we see Jill and her uh, her assistant and best friend Daisy. Uh, and Daisy, were, they are always working together, and they would always get involved in, in crimes. Uh, but like I said, they never had boyfriends. But there were a couple scenes like this that made it seem, that suggested that maybe this was a slightly more progressive, um, progressive series than most of the others that were around at the time. Now when I was working on this book, uh, someone asked me who the most unique character was that I had found in my research. And I thought of a couple. One of them was the Sorceress of Zoom. She was this sorceress, and she lived in a flying city, would fly around, she would fly through time and space, and her main goal was, was to uh, take over the world and enslave as many people as possible. So literally every story, she would do that. So I thought of her. There was a, story, a character named Maureen Marine, who was a young girl who was um, killed by the Nazis, uh, but then was brought back to life as the ruler of an underwater city. Um, but really, when I thought about it, the, the, the strangest character that I, that I found was a character named Pussy Catnip. Now, Pussy Catnip. In the early in, in early comics, there were a lot of funny animal characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Um, Pussy Catnip was one of the only sexy ones that um, that I've ever seen. Anyway, Pussy Catnip was a um, she was a she ran a nightclub and a cafe in Mutt Town, uh, where she was also um, the uh, she was also a nightclub singer. Now, there were a lot of weasels and foxes in Mutt Town that would always cause, cause trouble. So when, there was, when trouble would brew, Pussy Catnip would whip up her special cocktail that she called Catnip Fizz. And she would drink it. <laughs> which would result in what they called a cat fit that looks, I mean, kind of looks like she goes into a seizure. It's very strange. Um, but after which, she would turn into a feline superwoman. Uh, she would get increased intelligence, um, great detective skills. So, uh, in one story, she even gets clair uh, is able to. She's clairvoyant as a result of drinking her catnip fizz, and she would then take care of business and and uh, take care of the troublemakers. By the way, all in three pages. These stories are only three pages, and get all this stuff done in time to do her nightclub act. Wow. <laughs> and there, the sitting at the table there, that's her, boy, her boyfriend, George, who was the fire dog, uh, who was the fire chief in Mutt Town. And he's saying, what a wonderful pussy. Um, very, like I said, this was, for me, this was the strangest thing. I've, said. Just reading, I've read comics for a long time. This is really one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Um, so what happened to all these fantastic women? Uh, 
When World War II ended, comics changed quite a bit. Um, there was a real slump in popularity of superheroes. Uh, superheroes kind of fell out of fashion, and a lot of them, publishers kind of started scrambling to find out, to find something new that readers would be interested in. What we see in the post-war years uh, was a lot of war comics, a lot of westerns, horror comics, crime comics, uh, and science fiction comics coming in. And these got to be, uh, really started filling up the newsstands, and super, we see a lot fewer superhero titles. Now comics are, in those days, comics were still considered to be mainly a, something that boys were interested in and read. But one of the things I found that was interesting with this, when I was doing the research for this, was there were a lot of women, female readers who were writing in, talking about the kinds of things that they wanted to see in comics, and they wanted to see heroic women, female heroes. Here's an excerpt from one letter. Uh, this writer named Barbara says, um, I'd like to say that we girls don't sit home reading the wallpaper. You know we like comic books too. Um, publishers did know that, comic, that girls liked comic books. What they gave them, rather than giving them more things like this in the post-war years, rather than giving them more, more comics that feature heroic women, what they gave them instead were romance comics. So in the late 40s, through up until the, really into the 60s or into the early 70s, you see romance comics as being the main comics that are targeted to girls. Uh, and these really focus on marriage. Uh, they usually have, a, have stories where, um, I mean, they're really entertaining, but they, they usually have stories where someone goes on a date. By the end of the date, um, the guys are already getting ready to propose, and you know the girl's going to graduate from high school and get married right away and have a family. And that was really the message for uh, 20 years or so that comics were giving to girls that this is what your life is going to be like, rather than going out and leading a life of adventure or independence. So the last couple of years there's been more of an effort to, in contemporary comics, there's been more of an effort to feature powerful women in comics. Uh, publishers have more or less acknowledged that women do read a lot of comics, and they're trying to tap into that audience, show more diversity in terms of, uh, more gender diversity anyway, by showing more powerful women in comics. It's interesting to note now, though, that when you read comics, for the most part, the role of women in modern comics is either superhero or superhero's girlfriend. Whereas in, in the early days of comics, in what we probably would now would consider to be a less enlightened era, you had this incredible range of different roles for women. Either you know you had superheroes, but you had spies and jungle queens. You had um, female sheriffs, pilots. You even had Madame Fatal, who was um, the first transvestite uh, crime fighter. So it makes you wonder, sort of, how much progress we've actually made in comics in the last seventy years. But these are just sort of some of the types of women that I talk about in my new book. And if you have any questions, I'm ready to take those. Oh, thank you. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Did all of those characters just die prematurely? 
I mean, they stopped being printed. Did they, did they go off into some other medium or um, no, they just kind of they just kind of fan. Yeah, it's interesting though. I, what, the thing I did find that was interesting when I was doing the research is that the characters that we don't, the types of characters that we don't see at all anymore, like a lady lawyer. That lady lawyer, those she had her adventures ran for like ten years, whereas some of the superheroes in those they ran for maybe a year or so. But there was a lot of interest for like the policewoman, the lawyer, the nurse. Those were those those features ran for a decade. Whereas now, you know, someone like Lois Lane, who's, you know, you could say Lois Lane's like the, after Superman, she is like the second most famous character in comics. Um, they, they, you know, they would never, today, they would never give Lois Lane a, a her own comic uh, because they think no one would buy it. You know, although if, if it was written well, it would be a really great series. So, uh, what drove you to uh, start this research on uh, female heroes? Um, I've always been interested in female heroes, and um, there was always kind of the main reason I like comics. Uh, the reason I, I think the reason I got, I got involved with doing this new book was because I was getting dissatisfied with a lot of new comics that I was reading, and I was wanting to, f I, w I went back to, to do, read some of the old comics in the 40s because I was looking for something that was just fun and um, entertaining because I was really feeling like the, what I was, was coming out at the time was just a little bit grim, too grim for me. It was, you know, it, it would, there were a lot of a lot of those a lot of those guys that that were creating those early comics were quite young, like the, like Siegel and Schuster who created um, Superman. I mean, that is that's a pretty accurate portrayal of what that was like. You know, one of the authors was called Park, like Mm -hmm. Is that a real guy? No, all most of these features were done were, uh, were had pen names. So it was actually well, it was it was a guy by name the name of Fletcher Hanks yeah. who's doing it. Some t unbelievable. unbelievable, yeah. Uh, some of them had, uh, but some of them would just have like a fake name. Uh, some of these were drawn by women too. There were a lot more women that were drawing in the '40s because a lot of the male artists were serving in the war. So it gave female artists more opportunities uh, to work in comics doing adventurous stories. Um, a lot of those opportunities went away after the war because a lot of the men came back and it was felt that the men needed their jobs more than the women. So, because of the, you know, women always have the option to get married, I guess. So a lot of those women uh, either went back to doing different types of series, like a lot of those women wound up going to drawing romance comics, things like that. Can you see a change as to when the women were doing more of the, the drawing and rendering all, as opposed to the men? All the clothes are better. Really? Yeah, totally. Yeah, there was this one. There was this one character. There's this one artist named Lily Renee, uh, and when you look at her, uh, when you look at her comics, she did a lot. There was a, there was a spy character named Senorita Rio, and when you look at those co those comics, the clothes are fantastic, really crazy. Yeah. So did some of these stories just exist for one? There was like in one issue. Some of them, yeah. Some of them they tried out, and I think I think the way these these comics worked was that if a feature wasn't popular, they could just switch it out and then replace it with something else. But it's a lot of these these 
pub, you know, this whole medium was new, so a lot of publishers were getting into the business, and it was it was new, and they maybe maybe a publisher tried it, tried being in comics, and put out like three or four issues, and then it didn't pan out, and then they they got out of the business. Um, uh, do you find in the newer comics a portrayal of women in, limiting in scope, or do you actually see it expanding in scope now? of just the different types of women and the material in, in comics nowadays in the industry? I think the, I think the types of women, I think it's expanding in, at, when they're superheroes. I think there's not, oftentimes you don't see much besides that. You know, so you see, we see lots of different types of superheroes. We see, you know, different, different races, different uh, sexuality, things like that, but they're still superheroes. You don't really see um, like a really great woman doctor or a really great woman police, you know, police woman or something like that. I mean, there are a couple, there are, there are some supporting characters like in, in, um, like in Batwoman, but they're not the leads. They're not the lead. It's, oh, it's, it's really, it's someone that puts on a costume. Pretty much usually still someone that puts on a costume and does something. So I'm assuming that all of these comics are really hard to find, mm -hmm. uh, or because they're so old and the titles aren't, uh, the heroes aren't very well known. So how would you go about finding these old characters and these old comics? Just it really just going through a lot of them. A lot, and most of these are most of these publishers are not around anymore. So they all, all of these characters are in the public domain. Oh. All right, any other questions? Oh, yeah. So, I did have one question. Okay. What's that? I was reading this really interesting essay about, you know, that there's sort of this study of male superheroes that are sort of being explored over and over again, whether it's Spider-Man, and now Thor, like a wonderful movie. Right. So, for whatever reason, and I was curious to know why you thought that was, well, I think that the I think that the studios just uh, underestimate the appeal of that character, and I think that um, I mean she's the most recognizable character, uh, female character in comics. Then she's there's still a lot of traction off of the TV show. Uh, I think they just underestimate the fact that they they just assume that. People are not going to go to a, a movie that's led by a woman. Um, but you look at the Hunger Games movies, that, that next Hunger Games movie I'm sure is going to do huge business. Uh, look at Gravity. Gravity really, I don't want to give any spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's a movie that is pretty much led by a woman. So, which was, you know, for a couple of weeks, the world number one movie worldwide. So I think they just really underestimate uh, what people will go see. Um, I also think that I mean they're they're talking about the fact that they might include Wonder Woman in this new Superman Batman movie, kind of work her in there, which I think is stupid. It's like it's like they're going to slip her in because no one's going to go see a movie that that she's the star of. Um, but I think that the Marvel movies have done a good job with unexpected casting, and I think that they've been talking about these characters that they might get to play Wonder Woman, these actresses they might get to play Wonder Woman, and they're not big names. And I think they're like someone that was in a James Bond movie, but I don't know who any of them are. And I think that 
I think that, first of all, I think she needs to be a woman. I don't think she should, no offense to anyone, but I don't think she should be like a 19-year-old girl. And I think that, um, I think, you know, some, someone getting someone like Robert Downey Jr. was so unexpected for Iron Man, and that's what really paid off. And I think they should get, I don't know who that is, but I think they should get a real name and someone that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in a movie like that, but someone who's a good actress to really give that character some real strength. Someone like, like 15 years ago, I would have said someone like Catherine Zeta-Jones, like when she made those Zorro movies. Like someone like that was, that would have been, that was my ideal at the time. I thought someone like that, I, I don't know who has come along since then, but she has the kind of strength of character to me and she's a woman. All right, any other questions? We should play the saucers at Zoom. Um, <laughs> Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Pussy catnip, I'm not sure, but that, 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 that they may have to be that may have to be CG. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.